All right, so this is the last um, of our Advent series. We've been uh, exploring the humanity of Jesus the past few weeks, and then next week we jump back into Revelation, which in Revelation we've been really focusing on the deity of Jesus. And we took a break and we, we were uh, spending time thinking about the humanity of Jesus in this Advent series. We thought about uh, how Jesus became a child needing to grow and learn like other human beings, how Jesus became a worker and how God created work to be good. And Jesus uh, enjoyed and, and obeyed the Father through his everyday job. We thought about Jesus becoming the servant, right? how, he, uh, how he offered his life to save sinners. And last week we looked at Jesus becoming a friend, that he sought close friendships. Uh, while on earth, and uh, we were encouraged to do the same, to seek close friendships that are encouraging to God. And so uh, today, as we close out this series, we're going to be thinking about Jesus as an influencer, an influencer. And when you think about that word influencer, I think most of us probably think about social media influencers uh, that that we have today, right? They're well-known people that use their power, they use their status, uh, they use their, their looks, their talents to promote products, right? And then they make a profit uh, for the products that they're promoting out 377 uh, million followers. Uh, and uh, just a couple years ago, she earned $988,000 per Instagram post. Think <laughs> about that, right? We're like, dang, right? That can, that can afford you one house on Oahu, just one post, right? 900, well, actually, that won't, right? Because the average home is a million dollars on Oahu. So one post will not afford you a house on Oahu. But 980, sorry, $86,000 for one post, one post. Now, The Rock overtook her, and he makes over a uh, million dollars per post, isn't that crazy, right? So these are uh, social media influencers that we have, right, that, that use their audience, right, to promote products so that they buy those products and they, uh, these influencers make a profit from it. Now, Jesus is different, right, as an influencer, right? He's not out uh, to make a profit. He's here to, to influence people to God, to life, to himself. And here's the thing, right? He then gives us, his followers, the ability to influence others to God. We might not think of ourselves as an influencer or someone that has influenced. Maybe most of us think of ourselves as just having, you know, we just live ordinary lives. We go to work. We uh, take care of the family, the spouse, the kids, our mom, our dad. Uh, and when we think about right, salt is an influencer. Right? We put it on food, and it and enhances the taste of the food. It preserves food. Right? Light, right? When, when we're in a dark place, that light enables someone to see and to go into the direction that they should be going to. And so Jesus is calling us salt and light as his followers. We do have influence in the people uh, that God has placed around, whether we feel like it, or not. And then, so what we're going to see this morning is Jesus' influence and then how we can uh, look at how Jesus influenced others and be encouraged right, to point others and influence others to God as well. So let's jump right into Matthew chapter 9, starting with verse 9. 
As he went on from there, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the toll booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. While he was reclining at the table in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came to eat with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now when he heard this, he said, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Sinners. Matthew, one of the 12 apostles that Jesus called to follow him, he was a tax collector. And right, most of us probably know, right, as a tax collector, you are hated by your own people because you collected taxes from them uh, and gave it to the Roman government. Right, those who are over you uh, and seen as oppressors. Not only that, right, tax collectors could collect extra money from the people in order to pocket it and profit it for, them all, for, for themselves so they can get wealthy. Right, and so they were very hated by their people. And I, I, I couldn't really think of a modern-day equivalent to compare to nowadays. Uh, so it's, it's tough to envision just how shocked the people must have been to see Jesus calling Matthew to follow him, how appalled maybe they must have been that Jesus would do that. But despite Matthew's social status, Jesus came and called him to follow him. So here's the first thing is, as the greatest influencer, Jesus, he initiated the relationship with Matthew. He made the first move. God is the great initiator. I think about God the Father right, sent his son. He took the initiative to send his son into the world to save us, to be our savior. Jesus, right, came, left heaven and came to earth to be our king and savior. God is the great initiative taker. He didn't wait for us to seek him out because the Bible says no one seeks God. He took the initiative to come and to seek and save the lost. It can be tempting to think that, as, as a follower of Jesus, that, you know, I'll just wait for, for people to come to me and ask me about Jesus. I'll do a lot of good deeds. I'll try to serve the people in my life, my workplace, my neighborhood. And I'm just going to wait for someone to come and to ask me about Jesus. And that might happen, but I find that that normally doesn't happen. It's like, right, a watching a, a really good TV series, and, and, and you want other people to know, to, to know about it, too. And I hope someone come and ask me what TV series that I've been watching. No one over the past however long has ever asked me. I can't think of one person who's ever asked me, John, what TV series have you been watching, right? So I need to initiate that conversation somehow. And same with, 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 with Jesus is most of the time, right, people won't come up to us and say, tell me about Jesus. Tell me about Jesus. That might happen, and it does but I'm pretty sure most of the time it, it doesn't. So there needs to be an initiation. Just as Jesus initiated calling Matthew. Now, what if we struggle? What if we struggle with lacking that motivation? Lacking the motivation to initiate with others in order to share the love of Jesus with them. Here's, here's what I would love to encourage, right, is we need to see ourselves as Matthew. 
that we are just like Matthew, who needed rescue from God. We weren't hated by uh, Israel, like Matthew was, by the Jewish people, but we were rebels and enemies against God. We weren't sitting in a tax collector's office like Matthew, but we were sitting in our sin and shame and death. And in the love of God, Jesus came to us and rescued us, opened our eyes up to our need for a Savior, opened our hearts to respond to him as our King. See, when we see and experience the love of Jesus that he rescued us in our sin and shame from death and gave us new life and new hope and new purpose and joy, that is what motivates us when we experience the love of Jesus to share it with other people in our lives. If we lack that motivation, right, confess that to God. Tell him we're lacking it and ask him to open our eyes up to the beauty of his love for us, how he, just like Matthew, came to us and rescued us. Jesus took the initiative. Second, Jesus made himself accessible. He made himself accessible. Let's look at verse 10. It reads, while he was reclining at the table in the house, Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came to eat with Jesus and his disciples or, or, and, and of sinners, right? Sinners came to, to see Jesus. Jesus was invited to Matthew's house, and Matthew threw a great feast for Jesus, and it seemed like his buddies came to, uh, to, to join these other tax collectors and sinners who had a bad reputation in the community. See, if Jesus just stayed in the synagogue, in these places of worship, and thought, you know, like, I'll wait for the sinners and tax, collector, tax collectors, these people that are just kind of despised by society, not really allowed into public worship, or it would be despised. They would never come if Jesus only stayed in a synagogue. But he took Matthew's invitation to go to his house, and he made himself accessible to these people who wouldn't have been able to hear Jesus, probably wouldn't be able to hear Jesus and, and, and experience him in the synagogue. He made himself accessible. See, social media influencers, they don't really make themselves accessible like this. Right? They want followers on their TikTok, Instagram, um, because they're, they're wanting to make a profit, but they don't want their followers all to be close friends to them. Right? If we were to try to befriend one of these influencers, we probably wouldn't even get to them. But if we did, we would probably be labeled as stalkers, right? Because they're not looking for close relationship, that kind of relationship. But Jesus is different. He wants to be near and close. He's seeking relationship. And he's making himself accessible to these people that wouldn't have had the opportunity in other places. And then Jesus calls us, right, to take the initiative, right? And that, that's where it starts, a desire to take the initiative. But if we don't make ourselves accessible, then we'll miss out the opportunities to build relationships, to share the love of Jesus. For the gospel, look like, well, maybe it looks like going on more neighborhood walks, walks our neighborhood, and striking up conversations with people that we normally see working in the yard on our street and just talking story, talking story. Maybe it's sticking around in the workroom 
during lunch instead of grabbing our lunch and, and, and going to sit alone. But instead, sitting in that workroom and seeing if there's other people eating lunch and striking up conversations with coworkers while praying for them and praying for opportunities to, to, to lead into deeper conversations. Making ourselves accessible could look like taking the invitation from coworkers to, uh, to go out after work instead of, you know, our desire maybe to go home and just veg out watching TV, right? To take that invitation and to spend time with some coworkers after work. Because oftentimes it's after work and in those times of hanging out where deeper conversations can happen. It could look like joining a, a, a neighborhood club or sport or a special interest and, and getting to know people in our community to build friendships there, making ourselves accessible to the people that we're trying to reach out to. Now, here's the thing, right? As we're getting to, 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 to connect with others, as we're reaching out to others and getting to know them more, we're going to see more of their lives, and they're going to see more of our lives. And what we're probably going to notice is people's lives uh, are messy. Right? Just like any relationship, when you get to know someone more, we begin to see more of the sin and the mess that everyone, including ourselves, has. And so Jesus encourages us here. Let's look at verse 11 and 12. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with sinners and tax collectors? Now, when he heard this, he said, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. See, Jesus embraced messy people. The religious leaders were repulsed by messy people, even though their lives were messy as well. Jesus was criticized for eating with tax collectors and sinners because they were considered unclean, vile. You know, this kind of reminds me of that uh, kid's book and movie, The Diary of a Wimpy Kid. I don't know if you read that before or saw the movie, right? But there's this one scene where uh, in, in this middle school, it's like an awkward middle school uh, kind of story. Well, on, on this middle school playground, floor, someone dropped this cheese, their cheese on the floor. And after days and weeks, however long, that cheese started to get moldy and rotten and gross. No one picked it up. None of the kids wanted to touch it because it was so nasty, right? That's totally middle school. Uh, But one kid ends up touching it. I don't remember how he ends up touching it. But um, because he touched it, he was known as the kid with the cheese touch. And everybody else wouldn't get close to him because he now had the cheese touch. Kind of like our cooties, right? Our cooties. And so everybody avoided this person, this kid, poor thing, right? Because they were now unclean. No one wanted to get close. It's kind of like the these notorious sinners, these tax collectors, right? The religious leaders were unwilling to get close because they didn't want to get the cheese touch on them. But Jesus, right, God, he wasn't afraid of that, and he wasn't repulsed by that. He drew near to them. He drew close to them. He shared a meal with them. And that, that act of eating a meal, right, in that culture is different from our own, right? That's an act of friendship and closeness with someone. Right, for us, we could have lunch with a coworker, or on business, we could have a, a business lunch, and, you know, we're not friends with the person, but we have lunch with them, right? So we don't think nothing of it. But for this culture, right, to, to share a meal like this was very intimate 
and close, right? Jesus was seeking companionship, right? Closeness. He wasn't repulsed or he wasn't afraid, right? Jesus was accused of being a, a, a friend of sinners. He wasn't afraid to get his hands dirty. Maybe we have a view of God where we believe he is high and powerful and he's reigning, right? But he doesn't want to get too close. He doesn't want to get his hands dirty in the messiness of people's lives. But that's not Jesus. He comes near. He left the perfection of heaven. He came to a broken earth and entered into these messy, messy people's lives and got his hands dirty. Right? It could be that as we're reaching out to family members with the love of Jesus, friends or coworkers, right? we're beginning to see messy things going on in their lives. Broken marriages, unhealthy relationships, family drama, financial desperation, being devastated. Maybe we have someone in our lives that's just devastated by uh, uh, just some sinful, foolish decision they made, and it's just wrecking havoc on their lives. And maybe we're tempted to run away from it because it's just messy. Just avoid them. Right? We need the wisdom of God, right, and the heart of God to love them and to support them and to prayerfully care for them and to be good listeners, to hear them out as Jesus, right, engaged with these tax collectors and sinners. But it, it doesn't stop with sympathy and listening, when we experience the messiness of people's lives, it doesn't stop with just being a good listener, although that is important. But it leads to transformation. Let's look at verse, thir- uh, let's look at verse um, 13 and 14 again. Jesus said, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Right? These religious leaders did not have the mercy of God. They were repulsed by these these uh, tax collectors and sinners who were in desperate need. Jesus had mercy on them. First, um, second part, it says, For I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. See, it doesn't end with relationship and sympathy, but it's a call to righteousness. In Luke chapter 5, 32, in the same account, Jesus says, calling them to repentance. Repentance. In other words, Jesus was calling sinners and tax collectors, calling us to experience new life, to repent, to turn away from a a, a life of, of living for ourselves, living as our own kings and queens, and turning to worship God as king, turning to trust in Jesus as the true doctor who can make someone righteous through his death on the cross. So we too, we influence others, right, by not only loving them and supporting them and listening to them, looking for needs in their lives, but also, right, pointing them to Jesus, calling them to trust in Christ as their Savior and King, to turn from their sin. We have such a great opportunity that God has placed in our lives. The relationships, whether it's family members, friends, or co-workers, or neighbors, calling them to experience true life, satisfaction, and joy in Jesus. I want to encourage us as we um, 
as we continue in, in, in this new year, to think about one person, one person that God maybe has placed in our life who does not yet worship Jesus. This could be a family member. This could be a friend. This could be a neighbor, a coworker, a classmate, where we can apply what we've been reading in this text, where we can maybe initiate more uh, deeper friendship, where we can be more uh, available to them, where we could be seeking to uh, share the love of Jesus with. And we're going to have a moment now where we can pray for that individual. Maybe you don't know someone yet, and I would encourage you right now to ask God to show you someone in your life, bring to mind someone in our life who, um, who does not know Jesus, where, where he may be leading us to get more involved. And if you do know someone, when someone does come to mind, to, to pray for them, to pray for opportunity to engage with them. So let's spend a, a moment now in silent prayer, praying for that individual. Let's go ahead and do that.